Uh, as you guys know, we're in the middle of a series on prayer, and first off, I want to thank Josh for preaching last week. He did a great job, and he preached, yeah, let's give him a round. Uh, he preached on the topic of some reasons why we should be praying, and you would think that we would just kind of sling off of that and keep going, but I, told, I warned you a couple weeks ago that we're going to need to bounce back to the topic we were before, Josh, on talking about hindrances to prayer, because we have a big one that we need to cover today. And so that's what we're going to do. And the hindrance that I want to cover today is the reason I don't pray is because I'm angry at God. Um, this one, as I said, is a big one. And so we're going to need to spend the entire sermon on just this hindrance and really deal with it, because I think more of us struggle with it than we'd like to admit. And so we need to kind of really work through it and not just try to ignore it, because I think that could be really devastating to our walk with God. So let's get at it. The reason I don't pray is because I'm angry at God. And let me tell you guys, anger at God has been around since the beginning of time. I mean, the very first person to be born on this earth, Cain, was angry at God. Okay, And if you read through the scripture, you will see instance after instance of men who have gotten angry at God. And I mean, it's just a common thing. And we ourselves struggle with it from time to time, if we're going to be honest. In fact, I was just reading an article this week on dealing with statistics of people who struggle with anger. It's kind of funny. It says, it said that even people who don't believe in God are angry at God. So I'm not even sure how that works, but what they said is they interviewed a bunch of college students and people who were grieving who were atheists and agnostics, and guess what? They were more angry at God than their counterparts, people in the same demographics who were believers. So put that on for size. I don't know what you want to do with that, but there you go. <laughs> so the truth is, from time to time, we struggle with anger at God, and it's a very real, and it's a very difficult situation. And you know how it is. It's natural. Whenever we're angry at someone, we, we just want to resist that person. We want to stay away, away from that person. Like, for instance, if I'm angry at Eric, and I'm walking along, I see Eric, I'm like, oh, there's that Eric again. I don't even want to talk to him. I don't even want to be with him. I just want to ignore him. And so we just push him out of our lives. And, and guys, that's what we do. And you want to know why? Because anger is a protective mechanism. Protective mechanism. And now from what? Well, it's from hurt. When someone hurts us, we instantly throw out our anger to protect us from the hurt. Like, for instance, uh, I'm angry. <laughs> so this is us. And when, when someone, let's, you know, we're going to be talking about God right now. So let's say God, we feel like God hurts us. We put up this big barrier of anger, okay? And we will throw it out at every angle. We just, we want to keep anger out there because it's kind of like it's a buffer to protect us from the hurt. We don't want anybody hurting us, so we throw out the anger to do that, okay? And we do that all the time. Now, somebody make me very happy and tell me that you remember something I taught you in the previous series. I told you that when we're angry, our anger will result in two different ways. Does anyone remember what that is? Action. action. What are those actions? Okay, withdrawal. We'll pull away from someone, and what's the opposite? We'll attack. Okay, very good. You guys make me happy. Um, <clears throat> when we are angry, 
There's two ways we'll react. We'll either withdraw from people or we'll attack people, okay? Those are the two ways that we do that. Now, we will do that. It's no different when it comes to anger towards God. You know, whenever you, if you ever watch those YouTube videos of those atheists, of people who are anti-God, um, they're ripping on God and they're making fun of God and they're attacking God because they're angry. Now, why are they angry? Because they somehow feel like they've been hurt by God. And so they go on the assault. But others do just the opposite, but for the same reason. We pull away from God, okay? We ignore him. We have nothing to do with him. We just live our life wanting to keep him out of it to maybe, in a sense, hurt him back somehow. We refuse to talk to him about anything. We, we shut him out. We withdraw. And we do that because we've been hurt. We avoid prayer. We avoid dialogue with God. And so prayer is not part of our life because we're angry. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is why? why? Why are we angry at God? Do we think that he somehow hurt us or that he's just trying to make our life miserable? Believe it or not, yes, exactly. That's what people think. We think that God has hurt us, and so we get angry. We get angry at God when things don't go the way that we want them to go. Okay? We expect things to go this way, and when they don't, man, it rattles us. It shocks us. You see, we want things to go our way, the way that we want. And when we don't get our way, it's just not uncommon at all for us to be angry at God. God becomes the target of our anger. I've met some people who are believers who see life as just one negative experience after another, and they've come to the conclusion that apparently God just doesn't like them. And that he's punishing them for something or that he's just out to make their life miserable. We've all met people like that who blame God for all the trouble in their lives. We've probably been people like that at some point in our life. We feel like God is just out to hurt us and that makes us angry. But something, you know, we need to understand, and I don't think we think of this often, but we need to understand that trouble doesn't just come from God. Trouble can come from a whole lot of different sources. Now, we always point at God, but it can come from a lot of different sources. Like, for instance, we can cause our own trouble, can't we? We can be the source of the trouble in our life. We've made a stupid decision, and because of that decision, man, trouble just comes rushing in. And not only us, but the people around us. Not only us, but other people can make horrible decisions, which then bring trouble down upon us. See? So trouble can come from other people. Trouble can come from just natural things, okay, like disasters or disease or stuff breaking, and that can bring trouble into our life. Now, here's another source, Satan. Satan gets off so easy sometimes. Satan brings so much trouble into this world, and yet we don't look at him. We skip right over him. We blame who? We blame God. Now, of course, God can be the source of some trouble that we experience, but you need to understand that when God brings trouble into our life, it's for one purpose. And that purpose is to refine us, to transform us, to, to discipline us so that we become more like his son and we bring glory to God. So obviously we can see that trouble comes from a whole lot of different sources other than just God. So we need to see that. Now, as I say that, I know, of course I know, that regardless of where the trouble comes from, I know many of us will ultimately place the blame on God because we know that he's the one who supervises everything, okay? We know that either consciously or subconsciously, 
God is the ultimate power in the universe, and that if anyone can make things go better in our life, he can. We know that. If God is God, he can do anything. If God made the universe and everything in it, it certainly wouldn't be a problem for him to keep my life from trouble. He could have made it to where I never faced that decision that I made a bad one in, and I wouldn't have the trouble in my life. He could have kept that drunk driver away from my daughter's car, and she'd be alive today. He, he could have kept my dad from getting this horrible disease. He could have kept that tornado away from the houses so that no one would have died. He could have prevented Satan from doing what he did in that person's life. I mean, right? You see what I'm saying? I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that God is involved in the smallest details of our lives. Nothing, and I mean nothing, happens to the follower of Christ that does not first go across the desk of God where he gives his stamp of approval. So ultimately, God allowed what happened in our life. And that's why we find ourselves getting angry at God. That is why ultimately he ends up catching most of our anger. Because we believe that ultimately he could have stopped all this. But he didn't. We get angry. Because I thought that I was going to see my son grow up to have kids of his own and get married and live a life, but it didn't. He died at a young age. I wanted this, but God allowed this. And I know he might not have caused it, but he allowed it. I thought God was going to heal my spouse. I wanted this, but he died or she died. And God allowed this. And I thought... You know, being a parent was going to be awesome and fun and full of joy, but it isn't. It's full of sorrow and hardship and difficulty. I wanted this, but God allowed this. And I could go on and on with the things where we wanted this, but we got this instead, and we feel deeply hurt by God, and that hurt then leads to anger. So what do we do with that? How do we work through that? Well, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't have all the answers to that, because if I did, I would have written the book, and we'd all be fine. But here's some things I think we need to ponder and think through as we deal this, because there's, there's going to be some things that we have to come to terms with, and I'm going to talk about those in a second. We have to come to terms with them. But before we do that, I just want to talk about four truths that we can just filter through our mind. Okay, first one is this. God has the capacity to prevent all trouble. Okay, we agree with that? He has the capacity to prevent all trouble, but God doesn't choose to prevent all trouble. We see that. So there must be some reason why God, for the time being, does allow trouble. Because to tell you, there's going to be one day, and I can't wait for that day, where God is going to permanently eliminate all trouble. But he's not doing that right now. And because he doesn't, that's where the rub comes in, isn't it? Because when he doesn't remove all trouble from our life and he allows trouble to come in, what is the question that comes to our mind? Why? Why, God? Why? Why do you allow some things, prevent some things, and allow others? Why? And for many of us, I'm just going to say this, for many of us, we will never, this side of heaven, know the answer to that question. We just won't. As hard as that can be, we had better come to terms with it. We may never know the why. 
And I realize that for some people, that's harder than it is for other people. Some people, not knowing the why frustrates the tar out of them. I have a son like that. And he is a person who he has to know the why. And let me tell you, it's, it's hard to raise people like that, raise sons like that. Because he has to know the why. And he'd be like, I'd be like, uh, honey, I don't, I don't want to let you go to this thing. Why? Well, I just, I don't think it's a good idea. Why? Well, because I, I just don't. But why? I mean, why? Because I'm your father, and if I don't want you to go to this thing, I can tell you. That, that's not even an answer. I mean, why? why? What is the reason why you don't want me to go to this? Because I don't like this thing, and I don't want you to go to this thing. That, that's not an answer. Why is it that you don't? And I'm like, for the love of beat, go to your room. You're not going to do it. Whatever. I mean, I freak out. Well, some of us do that with God, and it can be a real block in our lives that I, I need to know the why, God. Well, guess what? We had better come to terms to the reality that we may never know the why, and that's okay. Okay? We may never know. And I know it's harder for some than it is for others, but we just have to come to terms with this reality. We may never know the why to the things we have to endure. Not only that, guys, we have to also come to terms with the fact that life isn't fair. And this is a doozy, but life is not fair. It never has been, and it never will be in this world. Some people are born with incredibly powerful advantages, and some people are born with horrific disadvantages. Why was I born into a godly, wonderful, loving family, and the person down the road was born into a wicked family where abuse after abuse was inflicted on that child. I don't know. Man, life isn't fair. We, we constantly hear of bad things happening to innocent, good people. And then conversely, we also hear of evil, wicked people having the time of their life. I mean, everything is just peaches and cream for them. In fact, Jeremiah himself had an issue with this. And he, he said this to God. If you read the passage, he's like, God, you're a good God, you're awesome, you're upright, and you're just. But I want to talk to you about your justice. And this is what he says. He goes, why does the way of the wicked prosper? And why do all the faithless live at ease? There's that question, why? King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he even saw the unfairness. He, he says this, he goes, I saw things in this life that weren't fair. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Wise people don't always get food. Smart people don't always get the wealth. Educated people don't always get the praise they deserve. Guys, life is not fair. Get used to it. Come to terms with it. The sooner, the better. I mean, I don't know if you've paid attention to this, but I don't know if you've read some of the stories in the Bible of some of the most godly men, men and women that we love very dearly. They endured huge unfairness in their life. Think of Job. Job was a righteous man. If there was any guy that I'd like to be like, besides Jesus, of course, it'd be Job. He was so righteous. And God's favor was on every part of his life until he lost everything. 
His ten children, his crops, his barns, his animals, all of his possessions, even his health. He lost it all. Is that fair? Joseph, incredible guy, chosen by God when he was still a youth living with his dad. Chosen by God. Was his life just full of ease? No. He was sold into slavery. He was purchased to be a slave in someone's house. Then he was falsely accused, thrown into prison to rot and be neglected and forgotten for years upon years. Is that fair? Daniel, incredible guy. Daniel was raised in a God-fearing family of nobility. His future, I mean, it looked so bright. It was awesome. But then the Babylonians came in, raided his land, kidnapped him. He was ripped from his family, ripped from his home, ripped from his school, his country. Everything that he was familiar with was gone, and he was forced to learn a new language, a new culture, and live in a pagan land. Is that fair? No. Even Jesus himself, the Son of God, the creator of this world, he came to the earth he created, to the people he created, and and he served and loved everyone he came into contact with. He, He showed deep love and a servant's heart. And you know what? He was hated and eventually killed. Life isn't fair. It just isn't. But listen to me. This world isn't our home either. And the sooner we come to grips with that, the better. You see, our citizenship isn't in this, on this earth or in this world. It's in heaven. And we're not there yet. So on this earth, we're going to have trouble. And life isn't going to be fair. And you need to come to terms with that. I know it's hard. But you just have to. Next, thirdly, you have to come to terms that while life may be full of trouble, God is good. And he does love you. And you can trust him. I know the tendency is to run to the thoughts of God is hurting us. God is against us. God wants to make our life miserable. But no, no, he doesn't. God is good. Listen to me. There is nothing bad about God. There is nothing evil about God. God is not mean. He's not just this mean God up there trying to inflict evil on people for the fun of it. This weekend, I watched one of the most disturbing videos I've ever watched about a little boy who was torturing a cat. It was horrible. And you know what? A lot of people think that's what God is like. No, he isn't. God isn't like that. God is good. And his love for you is more than you could ever imagine. In fact, Paul gives us a little insight into this love. He was praying for the Ephesian church, and us too, notice, He says this, he goes, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, that includes you, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, have an interactive relationship with this love that surpasses knowledge. God is good. And man, does he love you. And you can trust him. You have to come to terms with knowing that you can trust him. You may not understand him. You may not ever know the why, but you can trust him. Now, if you're able to come to terms with those three things, that I don't know the why, and that's okay. Life isn't fair, and I have to be okay with that. And as hard as life might be, 
I can trust God because He's good and He does love me. If you can come to terms with those three things, you're ready to deal with the anger that you may have towards God. So let's address that anger. And let me show you a verse in Ephesians. Ephesians 4 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now this verse is very instructive. There's a lot we can learn from this verse. But I want you to look at that verse, and and notice it says, In your anger do not sin. So according to this verse, tell me, how is it that you would sin in your anger? By what? Louder. I can't. What? Yeah, by letting the sun go down on your anger. Okay? In other words, letting time go between you and your anger. Letting the sun go down on your anger means you're sitting there stewing on your anger and you're letting it fester longer and longer. And when we do that, what does this verse say happens? We give the devil a foothold in our lives. Now tell me, who in this room wants to give the devil a foothold in our life? Nobody. We don't want that. Well, let me tell you. If there is anger towards anyone, no matter how old that anger is, if there's anger that you've chosen not to let go, then you have already given the enemy a foothold in your life. And let me tell you, he will use that foothold to the best of his ability. Think about that word foothold. It's a lot cheaper to bring a ladder than a rock climbing thing. (laughs) But if you can kind of picture Satan, he is prowling around like a roaring lion looking how he might devour us. And he's looking, he's trying to get at us. Now he can't get at us because we're in Christ. But he's waiting for us to slip up. He's waiting for us to make a mistake. He's waiting for us to believe his lies. And he is waiting. He is just sitting there waiting, crying, and trying to get in there. Now, when we choose to be angry, what do we give him? A foothold. And boom, suddenly he's like, I can get at him now. And he's, he's doing his damage. And if we have more anger, we can climb up. And he's really got us. And he will be using his foothold to take us down. He'll be doing everything he can with that foothold to destroy us. Three services and I didn't fall over. It's pretty good. <clears throat> Have you ever met people who just eke anger out of every pore of their body? They're bitter, they're hateful, they're vengeful, and you can see it in their body language. And often it just plays out physically in their life, you know, with, with disease or whatever. Anger is a serious foothold we give the enemy when we choose to hang on to our anger. And the same goes with anger against God. When we choose to hang on to our anger against God, we will give the enemy a huge foothold in our life. And third service, can I just say, we can't do that. We just can't. We need to let it go. And there's a process that we can do to see that happen. There really is. But we need to understand some things first. When we're angry at God, it's because we think He has hurt us. In other words, we think God did something wrong. We wanted it this way. But for whatever reason, you know, I don't know who caused it, doesn't matter. God allowed this to happen. 
God allowed it this way. I wanted it this way, but God allowed it to go this way. And we think God screwed up. He did something wrong. But guys, here's the deal. God never does anything wrong. Ever. In Deuteronomy, it says, describing God, he says, he is the rock. His works are what? His works are perfect. And all of his ways are just. A faithful God who what? Does no wrong. Upright and just as he. That's our God. God does nothing wrong. His works are perfect. So apparently, even the things that he allows, he will be able to redeem and make something beautiful out of it. So guys, listen to me here. Follow this reasoning. If God does no wrong, if he makes no mistakes, and we're sitting here angry at him because we feel like he's hurt us, then what's the truth about our anger? What is our anger stemming from? Okay, we think we're God. What, what is our anger coming from? A lie. All anger. Here's what you need to see. Get your head around this. All anger towards God is lie-based. Let that sink in. All anger towards God is lie-based. Whatever it is that you're angry at God about, it's because you're failing to see the truth. You're misunderstanding something. You're believing something that is false, and therefore you're hurt, and the anger stems, stems out of that. But guess what? It isn't true. You're believing a lie. And guess who is the father of lies? Remember, God is good. God loves you, and you can trust him even in the midst of whatever suffering you're having to endure. So don't hang on to your anger. So how do we let it go? How do we do that? How do we let go of this anger? You want to know the answer to that? It's ironic. How do we get rid of our anger? We what? We pray. Wait a minute. Anger is a hindrance to prayer, and yet you're telling me I have to go pray? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you told me, if you came to me and said, man, I can't stand that Jojo. Jojo just ticks me off, little sucker. What do you think I would tell you to do? Go what? Go talk to Jojo. You need to talk to him. Well, it's the same with God. You're angry at God? You need to talk to him. That's ironic because it's our anger. You don't want to talk to God, and yet the very thing to work through your anger is that you need to talk to God. But when you avoid him because of your anger, you're giving the enemy a foothold. And trust me, that enemy is using anger in the best way he can. He's trying to pit you and God further and further and further apart. And that makes life an utter mess. So in order to address the anger, you need to dialogue with God about it. You need to go to him and talk to him about the issue you're having. And remember, it's a dialogue. You don't just come to God and tell him what for and walk away. Tell me how well has that worked in your human relationships? Not great. Let him speak. It's a dialogue. Now, you might be saying, Luke, I, I don't even know how to begin that, that conversation. I have no clue how to talk to God about it. I mean, just, I'm such a mess. And I get it. I really do. Sometimes it's just easier to sit in our hurt 
and let that anger seethe and rage and not deal with it at all. Sometimes the hurt and the pain is so deep that we just don't even want to address the anger. And while I understand that, guys, let me warn you, you're setting yourself up for allowing Satan to do a lot of damage in your life. Footholds of anger that we give to Satan can be devastating. They can be life-altering. Anger destroys a person. Anger destroys marriage. Anger can destroy families. Anger can destroy nations. Look around. So let me help you in how you'd address your anger with God. First things first is you identify the true source of your hurt. Now remember, you're doing this with God. It's a dialogue. And you come to God and you just say, God, I'm so angry right now and I know it's because I feel like you hurt me. Now, God, I know that I might not know the why and I might, I know that life isn't fair but I know you love me and I know you're good and I know that I can trust you so I'm coming to you and I'm not even sure I can identify what it is but can you help me sort this out? Can you help me figure out what it is I'm feeling? God, you made me. You know me better than I know myself so can you show me how I think you've hurt me and then listen to what he tells you. Dialogue with him. There's going to be follow-up questions. Work through it to completion. Journal it. Write it down. And he's going to help you unravel your feelings and your hurts. Then once you've unpacked your feelings and hurts, I want you to verbalize your anger and disappointment to God. Even though you know it might not, it's not true, you can verbalize. I want you to get it out. Tell him about your anger, why that hurts so much, why you're disappointed, and don't hold back. If you need to raise your voice to him, that's fine. But I want to say this, do it respectfully. Remember, he's God. Don't go off on him. Don't cuss him out. I know some people think that I can just sit there and and they go crazy. And I'm like, dude, he's got big shoulders. He can handle it. Yeah, he can, but he's God. And that's not how you should treat God. In fact, that's not how you should treat anyone. But especially God. You can be respectful in your anger, but don't hold back. Let them have it. Third, once you've done that, you need to confess to him how you've been falsely accusing and blaming him. Because remember, your anger is lie-based. So confess to him where you've been blaming him and accusing him. Because guys, listen listen to me. To accuse God of doing wrong, there's no other way to put this, it's sin. Because God doesn't do any wrong. Plain and simple. You need to confess it to Him. Tell Him exactly what you've been blaming Him for. Confess it all. And then, like in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that thing I did a couple weeks ago where fellowship is up here and out of fellowship is down here. When we confess our sins, we're right back up here in fellowship with Him. Receive His forgiveness. Allow His forgiveness to just wash over you. Soak that up and don't rush that. And then lastly, number four, allow God to redeem the hurt by speaking His love and truth into your heart. 
Allow God to heal that hurt by speaking his love and truth into your heart. Now, guys, for me, this is the most precious part of the process. Allowing God to take all the anger and all the hurt and all the disappointment and lift it from you and replace it with a peace that transcends all understanding, with a joy in the midst of your circumstance, with a hope that can't be taken away. I mean, I've seen people be so transformed by God in this part of the process that there's no other way to put it but that it's miraculous. Because, you see, their circumstance hadn't changed. Nothing technically had been fixed. The loss in their lives was just as real and just as present as ever, but God spoke His love and His truth over them in such a way that healing was washed over them. And they sat there transformed, anger gone, bitterness gone. And it's a beautiful thing to witness, but it's an even more precious thing to experience. Now let me say this as quickly as I can. Let me put all four things up on the screen behind me. Truth is, if in our life we've matured to such a degree to where we've come to terms with those three things I talked about earlier, where we may not ever know the why, life is not fair, but God is good, He loves you, and you can trust Him. If you've come to terms with these three things in your life, I truthfully believe that anger doesn't need to be part of your life. In fact, at least anger towards God. In fact, your life can consist of just number one and just number four. When something happens in your life that you weren't expecting, you wanted this, but you got this, you can immediately go to God and ask Him to help identify the true source of your hurt. And then when He's done that, you can allow Him to speak truth or redeem or heal that hurt by speaking His love and truth into your heart. And if you do that, you don't have to waste time with two and three. You don't have to waste time with anger in your life. You can skip it and go right to four. Amen? You know how I know that's possible? Other than that God's Word tells us it. Because there's someone here today, part of this church family, who a year ago today, his son died unexpectedly of a brain hemorrhage. Just in his early 20s, just a young kid. Now this man never dreamed this would ever happen. He, he wanted this, but God allowed this. He, he wanted to see his son grow up and have kids of his own and you know, be married and all this stuff, but that didn't happen. And you know what? No parent ever wants to see their child die before him. No child ever wants that. I mean, that is every parent's nightmare. And yet this man had to endure it. But I share this for one reason. Because this man, incredibly, did not get angry at God. This man did not turn his back on God. This man did not allow the enemy to get a foothold in his life. No. Instead, you want to know what this man did? This entire year, this entire year, this man has pressed into God like he's never done before. He has run into the arms of Jesus more than just once, but day after day, over and over again throughout this entire year. And I'll tell you, this man is closer to Jesus than he's ever been before in his life. He's closer to Jesus more than he was a year ago. You want to know why? Because he went to number one and then experienced number four. And God has been redeeming that hurt and that disappointment for him in ways he never dreamed. Now, does he still miss his son? You better believe he does. Do tears still fall? Every day. But he knows God is good. And he knows God loves him. And he clings to that. 
And day after day after day, he keeps trusting God with all of his heart. And God is transforming him. And I can say that because I've seen it. He's transforming him more and more. And guys, that's how I want to live my life. And I know that seems crazy and it almost seems impossible, but I believe that with God's grace and a life of consistently dialoguing with God, that can be a reality. And I want this to be a reality for all of us. Amen? All right, this week's homework. It's just those four things. If you have anger towards God, I want you to work through those things. Now, if you don't have any anger towards God, you don't have any homework this week. But I would guess that most of us do, even though we, we've tried to shove it to the side. Work through these four things. And don't rush it. Don't speed through it. Take your journal and spend time with God in doing that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. And God, I just I thank you that you love us and that you are good and that we can trust you. And God, I admit, we freely admit today that not knowing the why is stinking tough for us. And life not being fair, it doesn't make sense to us. But we still trust you. And God, if there is anyone here in our midst today that is angry at you and they have just been living in darkness and isolation away from you, may they just understand today that you are longing for their fellowship. You are longing for them to come back into relationship with you. And God, may you shine your light into their darkness and allow them to just come clean before you and allow you to wash your healing, your love, and your truth into their lives. And may they be set free and may this burden be lifted from their life. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.